listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What's up, everyone? It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu, and welcome to another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Brewcoom Media and Level Water. Level Water is a New Orleans-based alkaline water that goes through 11 stages of purification and is infused with bioavailable minerals to deliver superior taste and hydrations. Try Level Water today by visiting levelwatercode.com slash BKM and use our latest code BKM6PK for a free six-pack of Level Water. All you have to do is pay shipping or select free local pickup. Once again, that's levelwatercode.com. Now, we have an exciting episode. Now, I know training camp isn't here yet, and people are obviously waiting for that to come, but there's a lot to talk about. I mean, we have Cam Jordan's comments about year 11, which I'll discuss in a little bit. We have Michael Thomas and what to expect from him. And also the question that everyone's been tweeting and it's why isn't he working out with Jameis Winston? Well, I'll give my theories on that in a little bit, whether or not they're right or wrong, we'll figure out and only time will tell, but there's stuff to talk about there. And also I want to talk about pro football focus is top 50 because there were a couple of saints players on there and a couple of notable omissions, but obviously a really fun week. I know new Orleans fans are talking about Damian Lillard. What happens with him? I'm not going to give my take on that, but I know that's something that you guys are excited about. And we just finished a really exciting day of the Euro Cup. So really fun stuff in the sports world. But let's keep it Saints. And let's talk about a topic that has actually been one of the most fun things to pay attention to on social media today. And that topic was presented by Brian Bienemy, who obviously puts up some funny stuff for Saints Twitter. And it was, who's your least favorite or I, or maybe most hated was maybe the phrase in the Sean Payton era. So who's your least favorite Saints player? And I've seen a lot of people talk about it and give their thoughts. And some people have said, well, you know, I'm going to go with Jared Cook because of the fumble against the Buccaneers. I saw other people say, maybe go Jimmy Graham. And I was looking at it and I was kind of like, are you kidding me with that? Like, I I never thought that Jimmy Graham or Jared Cook should be at the top of the list. I actually think there are two candidates that should be at the top of that list if you were to make one and you felt so inclined to make one. And those two candidates for me, it's pretty simple. Those candidates are Brandon Browner and Junior Gillette. And you can pick whichever one you want, honestly. It's all, you know, subjective based, but I think those two guys have to be at the very top of the list. And it's almost like in the office where Michael Scott's talking to Toby and he said out of all the idiots in the idiot village, you stand above. Those two for me stand above the rest of these bad players or guys that didn't live up to their contract or players who just weren't good at all like Stanley Jean Baptiste. I think Brandon Browner and Junior Gillette are in their own class. Now, let's kind of vote on which one's going to be the worst one in my little bracket here for least favorite Sean Payton player. And let's look at them. When you have Brandon Browner, there's a lot of moving parts. There's the fact that he didn't play well. There's the fact that he came over from Seattle and New England winning multiple championships. And there was some type of playoff slash championship pedigree you expect out of that type of player. And the Saints certainly didn't get it. There's the fact that he got into arguments with his teammates. The man literally wanted to square up with Dennis Allen at some point. These are all factors when I'm looking at it. And then there's the fourth one, how it ended. Didn't play well, never lived up to the contract, and the man is doing time for attempted murder. So I think I have to throw that in there. Whether or not you like it or not, those are the facts. And now you look at the other side, Junior Gallet, and what goes on with Junior. In terms of production, he was actually a good Saints player at first, and that's why he got a big contract, and that's why he kind of was the Robin to Cam Jordan's Batman. And Saints fans legitimately, as a football player, like Junior Gallette. But then we know what happened, obviously, with the whole belt incident, and that went viral, and he was on his way out, and then he talked bad about the Saints, and then had a couple of Achilles injuries, and now he's claiming that he's been blackballed by the NFL. If my hands were tied, and I'd have to pick one, 
I think, I really think I would go with Junior Gallette. And, and I don't know. I think if my hands are tied, that's who I'd go with just because of the way he's talked bad about the Saints after he exited. And remember, it's not the team's fault for cutting a guy who was shown on camera doing things that he should not do. On the other hand, man, at least Junior Glett had some good seasons. Brandon Browner was just God freaking awful for the Saints the entire time he was there. So I think those are the two guys for me. I know I probably shouldn't even be going into this topic, but I thought it was just too funny to ignore. And obviously with the offseason, you got to look for content. I think this is a funny topic. So I'm curious what you guys think about this. If you guys have any type of guys that you want to talk about, by all means, just tweet at me. Let me know. And I'll get to, and I'll talk about those guys and whether or not they deserve to be in the mentions for the worst player or least favorite player in the Sean Payton Saints era. But there's a lot to talk about there. But let's switch gears. I want to talk about something that people have really been asking me on Twitter and asking everyone because it's it's an interesting talking point in the fact that when the Saints workout videos go viral, and obviously Jameis Winston's at the forefront and rightfully so because this is the guy who could replace Drew Brees in New Orleans. So you want to talk about a guy like that. That's the guy who is going to be the topic of conversation. When you watch the videos, you will see Deontay Harris. You will see Traquan Smith. You will see Juwan Johnson. You will see Marquez Calloway. You will see Tony Jones. You will see Nick Vanette. You will see Adam Troutman. Who you will not see is Michael Thomas. And a lot of people have asked me, well, do you think Michael Thomas doesn't like Jameis Winston? Do you think this is Michael Thomas's way of saying Jameis Winston is not his guy? That, I've been asked that. I've been asked, do I think Michael Thomas isn't healthy? There's a lot of questions that people have tweeted at me, whether it's in, on public, whether people are in my DMs asking me my thoughts as if I actually know, although I do not. But I think there are theories as to why we haven't seen Michael Thomas in these videos. And I don't think it's a big deal at all that he's not in these videos. It really doesn't matter for the grand scheme of things and how Mike plays in 2021. I don't think it matters. And I'll give my thoughts on that in just a second. But number one for me, and this is why I don't think Michael Thomas has been in any of these videos. I think for starters, I think Mike's still working diligently on getting back to 100%. His ankle injury was not a normal ankle injury. He had a, a torn deltoid. He needed surgery. It clearly was something that was not going to just heal with just rest. You needed to actually get a procedure on that to make sure you can get it corrected 100%. And in order to do that, and for Mike to be the player that Mike is, where it's violent cuts and just being so physical and being able to plant your foot on the ground and drive off that, Mike needs to be 100%. And Mike cannot do that without proper rehab. And I know he got surgery, I believe, sometime in January, and now we're all the way in June. But I don't think five months for a really severe ankle injury means you're going to be at 100%. I think he needs extra time. And perhaps he's using this extra time to make sure that when training camp comes around in late July, he's 100%. Or when preseason comes around in August, he's 100%. Or dare I move it one more month back and say when the regular season comes around in September, he's 100%. It's all about playing the waiting game and making sure you can be 100% when the team needs you most. And I, that's why I don't think it really matters if Mike is in these training videos or participating in these workouts with Jameis Winston. Reason number two, maybe Mike doesn't want to pick favorites. Now, I don't think this is the reason, but it is a theory. And I don't think it's the worst theory in the world. If you're Michael Thomas, I don't think there is anything that comes out of this. If you pick a, a favorite, quote unquote, nothing good comes out of this. You're going to have media talking their BS where, oh, here we go. The Saints, do we have a quarterback controversy? Mike's picking this guy. Someone's picking this guy. You're going to deal with that. And then on the flip side for Mike, there's nothing he wins out of this. It's June. I mean, I know it's late June, but it's still June. And if you're Mike, you don't have to pick a guy. 
that will come to you. And whoever's getting you the football, that's probably the guy who's going to win the job. Now, number three, and I think this is probably the most likely one, is that Mike works with his own group. Mike doesn't want to break his routine, and he doesn't have to. He's Michael freaking Thomas. He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He doesn't need to change his workout regimen. I mean, what he's doing is clearly working, and it's been working ever since he got to NOLA. So I'm not worried about that. But those are three theories. I think it's really a mixture of he works out with his own group, and he's still making sure that his ankle's at 100% because, remember, it wasn't just a sprained ankle. You're talking about torn ligaments. You're talking about legitimate damage to that ankle where you need to get that fixed. So Mike's going to take his time. He's doing the right thing, in my opinion, and we'll see what goes from there. But what does it mean for his 2021 season? Because I've seen a lot of people say, well, is Mike going to fall off? Is Mike not going to be that dangerous number one receiver? As long as he's close to 100%, and we have not heard anything yet to make us think that he's not going to be 100%, and if things change, obviously we will adjust. But if we're assuming, I know it's dangerous to assume, but we're assuming that he is as close to 100% as possible for the 2021 season. I have no reason to believe that he will not be one of the five best wide receivers in football. Now, why do I say that? Because every time he's healthy, he showed you that he's one of the five best receivers in football. And I think the problem with a lot of things, and this doesn't just go for the NFL, this goes for life in general. We have too many people who are prisoners of the moment. And When Michael Thomas goes down, it's so easy to forget about what he did in 2019 and what he did in 2018 and what he did in the playoffs in 2017. It's easy to forget about that because in that moment, it's a what have you done for me league. And we'll talk about the DeAndre Hopkins or the Devontae Adams or the Julio Joneses or the Calvin Ridleys. We'll talk about all these great receivers. And because we're a prisoner of the moment, we'll kind of forget that, hey, Michael Thomas broke the record for most receptions in a season. Michael Thomas has had at least 1,400 receiving yards in back-to-back years. Michael Thomas has caught more receptions in his first four seasons than any other receiver. It's easy to forget about that, guys, because when you're in the moment and he's not there, all right, you're going to watch that guy on TV. You're going to see that guy on Sunday Night Football. Or guess what? ESPN showing highlights. He's not on the screen. It's someone else. It's Hopkins catching a Hail Mary. So it's easy to forget about Michael Thomas. But this is what I know, and here are the facts. Michael Thomas has played with three different quarterbacks in New Orleans. He's been great with all three. He's obviously been great with Drew Brees, and that's a lot of Drew, and that's a lot of Mike. It's a mixture of just two great players combining and forming an even better greatness, but he's been good with Teddy Bridgewater, really, really good. Like I showed, this was about a year ago, we were talking about Bridgewater and, and Thomas and what they could do, and I remember showing the projections of what his 2019 season would have looked like had Teddy Bridgewater been the starter for all 16 games. Michael Thomas still would have had extremely good numbers. His best game actually was the 180-yard-plus game with the Buccaneers, and that was with Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback. So Mike has shown that doesn't matter. And to kind of one-up that statement and that narrative that Mike will get open and Mike will make plays, regardless of who his quarterback is in New Orleans, he had 200-yard receiving games this past season, albeit he was hurt and barely on the field. And those 200-yard receiving games, guys, Those were both with Taysom Hill as quarterback. And we all looked at the Taysom Hill four-game stint as unsuccessful in terms of the passing attack and what it was able to do, yet Mike found a way twice in those four games to have over over 100 yards receiving. So I think Mike has shown a good job of being able to do that. And I think in terms of expectations for 2021, there's no reason for me to sit here and tell you guys that, hey, I don't think Michael Thomas is going to be good this upcoming season. I think that would be ludicrous. I I think it would make no sense for me. Now, if it's August... And we're hearing word that his ankle's not 100%. Maybe we scale back the expectations. But as long as Michael Thomas is healthy, as long as he's in New Orleans and he's the number one wide receiver, he is going to give you 
1,300 to 1,500 receiving yards. That's kind of the ballpark of what he can do. And I don't care if that's Taysom Hill at quarterback. I don't care if that's James Winston at quarterback. It's Michael freaking Thomas. He's one of the best receivers in the game. Pound for pound, he's the best possession receiver in the game. And he'll continue to get first downs. He'll continue to make big plays for the Saints passing attack. And it kind of just goes to show, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, this Saints team, granted, there are issues they'll have to overcome. The fact that they were still a productive offense last year with 13 out just shows that the Sean Payton offense can really get things going. But I'll talk about that in just a little bit. Now, I want to switch over to the defensive side of the ball because there's someone who talked about his upcoming season recently, and that was Cam Jordan. And Cam's got an interesting... I want to say, I don't want to say career path because Cam's just been fantastic ever since he got to New Orleans, but Cam's at an interesting point in his career. He's at the point where you have to make a decision, not only just the fan watching or the analyst watching or just Cam making the decision as to what he's going to be. Is this the point in Cam's career where he teeters back and he kind of declines a little bit? Or does Cam actually show that this, you know, Hall of Fame worthy career that he is putting together. And if you don't believe me, you can check the numbers. It's got a couple of more great years left. There's still some juice and some gas left in the tank and he can have a couple more good years. That's the decision. And obviously the production is what's going to dictate that. So Cam recently was talking, recently was talking about his upcoming year and he's entering year 11. And, and I, it honestly blows my mind. Cause I remember when Cam was drafted and for 11 years to pass, that's just nuts for me. But he was talking about defensive ends when they get in their 30s, can they be productive? Can they make plays? And Cam kind of proved that you, it can be done. And he talked about it, and I'll read his quote. He said, talk about Calais Campbell, who after he turned 30, had his best year. Brandon Graham having his best years after he turned 30. I've talked to Bruce Smith, and I've looked at Michael Strahan's careers. There are the years where they really made stories for a push-off of being great. It's like 30 to that 34, 35 era that you see not only the combination of that physical talent, but also the wisdom play in. And that's what I've really been excited about. So what does this mean for Cam Jordan? Now, Cam last year had seven and a half sacks. Cam was still really good in the run game. He didn't seem like the Cam of old. He didn't seem like the Cam who could get you 13 sacks. He didn't seem like the Cam who could just wreck an entire game, which we've seen him do. He was still good. He wasn't great. For me, and a lot of people thought the same thing, and I'm kind of reiterating what they were thinking, it's that Cam kind of looked like he was coming off an injury. Cam didn't look necessarily 100%. There was some rust that needed to be knocked off, and that actually was the case with the full offseason to get ready, with his mind where it needs to be at, why can't Cam continue this? Cam is actually not as old as people think. I mean, the man is 31, and like he just showed people with bringing up examples, whether it's Bruce Smith, whether it's Michael Strahan, whether it's someone like Calais Campbell, you can be great rushing the passer or making plays in the defensive line in your 30s. It's not like running back where you hit 30 and that's the magic number where your career just, just jumps off a cliff. You can continue to have success. And I think for Cam, with a lot of young talent around him, I think that will rejuvenate his energy. I think the offseason is going to help him out. And he just seems in a great mental spot. Now, I know Cam is always in a great mental state. I mean, he is the most energetic, fun-loving dude on the Saints roster. But I really am buying what he's selling. And I know it's easy for me to sit here and say that because, one, I want to see Cam play well. And Cam's play obviously dictates the way the defensive line as a whole plays. But Cam just last year just didn't seem right. He seemed good, not great. I think we're going to see him bounce back. And I talked about this and I said, you know, I think he's going to have a bounce back season. And some people said, hey, Chris, it's not really a bounce back season if he was still good in 2020. And I kind of agree with it. But I also think you have to look at it, the context. And if Cam wasn't his normal self last year, bounce back in my eyes is him going 
back to what we're accustomed to seeing. And I think he's going to do that. And I'm really, really excited to see what happens with Cam. Obviously that, that for me is one of these storylines for next, for next season, because if this defensive line plays great, I think it takes a lot of pressure off a secondary where let's be real. Saints fans are concerned every day. Someone brings up the the hole at cornerback two and how that's going to be fixed and whatnot. So if the defensive line gets going and a lot of it starts with Cam, I think they'll be in a really, really good spot. But that's obviously something that we're going to have to wait and see. But I know a lot of people hit me up. They're like, hey, why are you talking about Cam? You know, what's the big deal? He's just talking. I think it's a big deal in a good way. And I know Cam talks a hell of a lot. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. This is one of those moments where I really am optimistic for next season. Now, the last thing I want to talk about, and it's kind of the biggest thing, and granted, it kind of goes back to what I was saying when I started this episode. We are in the dead period of NFL because guys are just doing off-season workouts and they're waiting for training camp, which is a couple of weeks away. It's that dead period. They don't really, there's not much to talk about other than anything that's being produced on Twitter. And that's really been the content creator for everything. And Pro Football Focus put out their PFF 50, which is their rankings, their grades for the top 50 players heading into the 2021 season. And I know a lot of people have their stance on PFF. Some people think it's ridiculous. Some people think it's the Bible. Look, I don't know which side you're on, and I don't think it really matters which side you're on. Just know that at the end of the day, they do make decent content, and they do provide great talking points. And for this one, the PFF 50, the Saints have taken a lot of criticism for losing depth, losing Drew Brees, trying to readjust what they need to be because the last four years have not ended the way we've wanted them to end. But the PFF 50 shows something that a lot of podcasters, including myself, have been saying. There's still a lot of top-tier talent on the Saints roster because the Saints actually had 10% of the PFF 50. They had five players in there, which is a really good number in my opinion. You had Ryan Ramchek, you had Alvin Kamara, you had Michael Thomas, you had Teron Armstead, and Marcus Williams. Now, I'm going to address each one, some longer than the others because some I was a little baffled by. But before I do that, notable omissions real quick. No Marshawn Lattimore and no Demario Davis. Lattimore does not surprise me because anyone who follows Pro Football Focus knows the way they chart chart their, their secondary players and the way they specifically charted Marshawn Lattimore. They've said, you know, he hasn't been the rookie year Lattimore. Now, me personally, I think Marshawn Lattimore finished this past season on a really strong note with really good performances. And especially in the playoffs, I know Mike Evans had a touchdown, but it was his only reception. I believe it was like a yard. He was just fantastic late in the year. So maybe that carries over to 2021 and we see him return to shutdown form. Demario, I was a little, a little frustrated that he wasn't in the top 50. I think that he played exceptionally well. And I think Demario is that guy where a lot of linebackers, they have a good running mate. Unfortunately, Demario Davis, his time in New Orleans, he has not had a good running mate. It's really been all him. It's been a one-man show. And yes, he had Quan for a couple of weeks. And sometimes Alex Anzalone was great. But man, you know, 80% of the time, I'd say, it was really Demario by himself making the magic happen. And for him not to be in the top 50, I thought that was a little questionable. I, I wasn't sure about that. But let's go to the guys that they mentioned. Now, Marcus Williams. And Marcus Williams is a player who doesn't get as much respect as he should. He was ranked in the top 50. That made me really happy. Now, he was ranked towards the bottom. He was ranked 48. But for Marcus Williams to get the attention and respect he deserves as one of the 50 best players in the NFL, I think that's great. That is another good bargaining chip and another reason why this man should get paid. And he's still on the franchise tag, and we'll see what happens. Every day, I'm waiting 
for news to break. So I could have an emergency podcast and say, Hey, Saints extended Marcus Williams, or Hey, the Saints extended Ryan Ramchick. Neither one's happened yet. And I will continue to wait. And I know knowing the Saints, they're going to do it at an inconvenient time, but it is what it is. And there's nothing I could do to change that. But for Marcus Williams to be ranked there after the season he had, where he showed whether he's in a single high safety reason to cover two he's been able to be one of one of the more dynamic safeties and he started the 2020 season really slow and there was a moment in that Panthers game where he gave up a long touchdown to DJ Moore because he broke off and kind of committed to a route to the outside that was already covered and he left the middle of the field open and I thought at that moment that Marcus Williams was heading down a road that I don't know if he'd be able to revert to his old form and man he played really well down the stretch extremely well And I think Marcus has really shown that he's one of the seven best safeties in the NFL. I know I'm using a weird number there saying seven, but I'm playing it safe. But he really is one of the best. And we have a lot of great safeties in this league. And Marcus is one of them. So the Saints are fortunate to have him. Number 44 was Michael Thomas. And that was the one that really pissed people off. And people said, well, how can you put Mike 44? That's unfair. Look, I just defended Mike about 20 minutes ago. And went into a whole rant and spiel as to why I think he's going to have a great season in 2021. However, I'm okay with them putting him at 44, just off the fact that he did miss most of the 2020 season. And a lot of times when you're ranking players, it goes back to what I said before. It's what have you done for me lately? People aren't going to bring up 2019 when 2020 passed. They're going to bring up 2020. And that's why Mike is unfortunately a victim of that. But I think Mike's going to bounce back. I think he'll be much higher on next year's list if there is one. But 44 is still a respectable number for a guy who missed more than half the season right under him at 43 Teron Armstead. And I don't know what there is or what there is that can be said about Teron Armstead that hasn't been already, because he has just been such a consistent vet who has shown time and time again, whether it is him, you know, being a great speedster at the offensive tackle position, whether it's him playing through injuries, whether it's him being a good leader, whether it's him constantly giving support for his teammates, He does it all, whether it's off the field, on the field, helping out the community. Teron Armstead is that dude. He's been one of the best Saints players that I've had the privilege of watching for the last decade, and he deserves it. He's 43. Maybe an argument could be made that he could be higher, but that's up to you. Now, I'm going to skip Alvin Kamara's ranking because I'm going to go to Ryan Ramchick at 28, who was the highest-graded Saints player on this list. Well-deserved. In my opinion, the best right tackle in football, probably your opinion as well. And the reason I'm skipping that And going to Ryan Ramchick is because I wanted to save this one for last. Alvin Kamara ranked 39. And all right, at one hand, I'm happy he's on this list. He got the respect he deserves. And I mean, not as much respect, but he got some respect here. But can you sit here and tell me that there are 38 players in the National Football League better than Alvin Kamara? And we could sit here and we could wait and we could put together a list. But you guys be on here for about an hour and I'd be on here for an hour. And there'd be dead silence of us sitting here waiting for 38 names, 38 players who rank above Alvin Kamara. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. And what kind of baffles me, it's honestly, it goes back to the Mike thing. What did I just say? We're always a prisoner of the moment. What have you done for me lately? Alvin Kamara is coming off one of the best seasons we've seen for running back. I mean, the man had six touchdowns in one game, six touchdowns in one game. There are guys who don't get six touchdowns in a season. He had six touchdowns in one game. There's a player who's ranked above him on this list who is an offensive skill player who did not have six touchdowns this past season. That was Julio Jones. And he was ranked higher than him. And there were four guys for me that were ranked higher than Alvin Kamara on the offensive side of the ball, because I think comparing offense and defense would be stupid, that ranked higher than him, and I just don't understand it. And those four players are A.J. Brown, Nick Chubb, Julio Jones, 
and Allen Robinson. Those guys were all ranked higher than Alvin Kamara. That's questionable to say the least. I was baffled by it. I don't understand how Alvin could put up the numbers he put up and be ranked 39. But, hey, it is what it is. And if I'm a player, and I don't know how every guy's wired. I know some guys are wired in the way that they will use this as bulletin board material, but why not? I mean, there's a lot of thought that goes into these type of lists. And I'm not going to disrespect that list because who says that I can make a better list? We don't know if I can. So kudos to them making the list. But I think for certain things like this, I just don't understand how you can watch Alvin Kamara do the things that he does at the level he does and say, you know what? He's the 39th best player in the NFL. I don't see it. Now, I might be extremely biased, obviously, because I'm running a Saints podcast. So obviously, I am going to be pro-Saints in a lot of certain things. But I think if you just take the gloves off and you go unbiased, strictly objective, there's just no way you can watch the NFL and say, yeah, Alvin Kamara is the 39th best player in the NFL. It's insane. He does things that no other NFL player can do. And I, and I continue to say that, and I will say it this upcoming season when he does something absurd, like just bouncing off six tacklers and getting a touchdown on a play where he probably should have lost two yards. And I'll sit there and I'll tweet about his contact balance and the things that he's able to do. And I'll say, man, only AK-41 can do that. But apparently only AK-41 can't do that because there's 38 players better than him, according to Pro Football Focus, which blows my mind. But I'm curious to know what you guys think about that. I'm sure you probably agree with me, but where would you rank AK? Because the way I look at it, the season that he just had, how can he not be one of the 20 best players in the NFL? He literally did things that no other running back's going to do. And I'm not vouching for Alvin Kamara to be the greatest running back in the NFL right now because there's great consideration for a Derrick Henry or a Dalvin Cook or a Christian McCaffrey. But you can't sit here and say that he's the 39th best player in football. I'm not going to buy it. I thought it was a really fun list. If you want to check it, you guys go on Pro Football Focus 50. It's pretty good. It's a fun list. But man, Alvin Kamara at 39, not good for me. Now, before I wrap it up real quick, my overall thought on this PFF 50 was an encouraging one. The Saints having five guys in the top 50 tells me this. They still have high-end talent. And when you have high-end talent, that means that you're going to be in a good spot in terms of being able to be a playoff contender. Now, injuries can derail that. Things can change. Bad quarterback play can take an entire season, but the Saints have a lot of high-end talent. Remember, they got five top 50 guys without including a DeMario Davis or a Marshawn Lattimore or an Eric McCoy. There are a lot of really good names on the Saints roster still, and when you have that, you have a chance to be a playoff contender. Anyway, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Now, it was a little bit of a test run in the sense that it, we had the live element to it, the live stream. Obviously, when the season gets closer, we'll have more engagement and stuff like that, and I'll continue to do it. But if you enjoyed the live stream, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on Twitter, if you really did enjoy it, just hit me up. If you had some comments, concerns, questions, suggestions, I am always free to listen to them. So hit me up, and I'll have a fun conversation with you guys about that. But with that being said, I hope you guys enjoy this week. Make sure you stay tuned for another episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Could come either later this week or the start of next week, depending on what the news is looking like and if there's a fun cycle of stuff coming in. Obviously, if something breaks, I will have the emergency podcast as promised. But until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the holiday weekend coming up. It's going to be fun times for everyone there. And stay tuned for more content on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.